Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Stay tuned for today's message. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by today's message. Enjoy. God bless. I'm so excited to be before you as always to share the word of God. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to be, be reading from uh, that particular chapter, verses 1 through 9. Through nine. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. And for you fathers who still have little girls at home, take time to dance with them. I promise you they'll grow up and be grown and gone before you know it. One of the joys of my life has been dancing with my daughters at their wedding. People say I have two left feet, but it doesn't matter. Amen. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going still towards the south. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Now, God, we invite your presence now and your guidance as I share this word with your people. Spirit of God, we yield our members to you. We ask that you would come and you would glorify Jesus during this time. Holy Spirit, we love you. We submit to you. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Father God, we love you. We, we revere and honor and adore you. Thank you for being a good, good father to us. Thank you for sending your son and for allowing your son to send your spirit. Lord, have your way right now. 
I pray that you would just hide me behind your word. Let the word of God be heard and released in this house today. Let every heart be uplifted. God, transform us. Change us into your image, God. From glory to glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Mario. Well, good morning. I'm excited, as always, again, to be before you. And today, I'm going to be sharing part two of the series that I started last week. And if you remember, the series we started last week is entitled Missions as a Lifestyle. So we want to take these next few weeks and talk about us being on mission as we live out our everyday life. And with today being Father's Day, I want to speak to the men of the house, to the men that may be watching online, or to the men who may watch or listen to this sometime in the future. The title of today's message is Man on a Mission. I want you to understand, men, that you're on a mission for God. And we want to look at what that mission consists of. Now, we spent five weeks uh, talking about empowering women. Sometimes men feel left out. But you know, the purpose of that series was not to make anyone feel left out. It was to release an understanding that we believe God has also called and released women into ministry as well. And women are often pushed aside, overlooked. Uh, so if, if any man was made to feel like you were, you're not important when we spoke to women, I want you to understand that was not the intention at all. You are very important in the house of God, and you're very important to this house, and you're very important to me. And I want you to understand the mission that God has called you to. Man on a mission. God throughout the ages has sought men whom he could call out and invite to join him in his work of redemption. Abram, who of course later became Abraham, was called out by God. And he was told to go to a land that God would show him. When God called Abram, he had a decision to make. Am I going to step out in faith and, and pursue what God is calling me out to? Or will I stay where I am? We must answer that same question today. Do I stay or do I obey? Do I stay or do I obey? When Abram moved out in faith, going from Ur to Haran and finally to Canaan, God established a covenant with him, telling him that he would, that he would found or be a great nation. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram out and promised to bless him if he obeyed. In Genesis chapter 15, God establishes a covenant with Abram, sealing what he promised in Genesis 12. And in the verses we read this, just now, 
God told Abram, if you, if you obey me, Abram, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And I will bless others because of you. Abram's portion was to hear, understand, and obey what God told him to do. His portion was to accept God calling him out from his place of comfort and familiarity and him going to a land that required both faith and trust in God. Abram responded to being called out by God by leaving as he was instructed to do so. And because he followed the call of God on his life, he was instrumental in God's redemptive plan, and he, Abraham, became known as the father of faith. All the families of the earth were put in position to be blessed by God because Abram responded to God's call on his life. Every man, under the sound of my voice, I believe is being called out by God to join him in what he is doing on earth today. Every man is being called out. Now, ladies, I'm speaking to the men today, but you have a portion in this as well. I want you to listen so that you will understand how you are to pray for the men in your life and the men in this church. And at the conclusion of this service, we're going to pray over the men today. So I want you to, in your heart even now, to be preparing your heart to pray and bless the men of this house. If there's a man sitting near you, look around. Turn to him and say, God is calling you out. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. God is calling you out. God is calling you out. He's calling you out, men. God's calling you out. He's calling you out. God is calling you out. God is calling you to come out of anything and everything that is holding you back from being the man of God you were made to be. Because God wants to work in you and through you to change the world. You got to believe that. You got to understand that God wants to use you men to change the world. You're a man on a mission. But like Abram, the only way to accomplish that mission is to obey what God tells you. As a man, you have in you a God-given desire to be fruitful and make everything and everyone around you better. If, If you don't feel that in you, you need to pray for you. Because every man should have in them a God-given desire.
to make everything and everyone around them better. That's why we try to fix things. That's why we, listen, that's why we at times would move over until Aaron began to try to fix our wives. There's nothing wrong with the desire. The problem with the, is with the application of what's desired. It's a God-given desire. We're, listen, we have that in us. We want to make everything around us better. We want to make everyone around us better. And if that's not in you, we need to pray for you about that. Amen? But you cannot do that in and of yourself. You can only do that when you build altars unto God everywhere you go in your life. Much like Abram did. You must erect altars of prayer in your life. You must erect altars of, of sacrifice in your life. You must erect altars of praise and worship to God in your life. Erect altars and then climb on to them and say to God, do in me and do with me, God, whatever you desire. You are a man on a mission. But if you do not die to self, you cannot live unto the Lord. Not as he would have you. Build an altar. And from that altar, seek the face of the Lord that he may reveal to you what he has called you to. God wants you to discover what you've been uniquely created for. And he will speak to you. Get on that altar. And God will speak to you. Get on that altar of prayer. Get on that altar of praise and worship. Get on that altar of sacrifice. And God will speak to you. And sometimes he will speak from unexpected sources and places to give you the instructions he wants you to have. God spoke to Moses from a burning bush, calling him out that he would go to Pharaoh with this message. Let my people go. When Moses saw the burning bush, he did not ignore it, but he went to investigate what was, what was going on because he sought to know the source of this strange happening. God may use an unexpected source to call you out as well. He will use people whom you would never expect God to use to speak to you. He will come and impress upon your thoughts, press into that realm of your being, his heart on particular matters. God will use life experiences to open up your understanding about what he wants you to do. Be willing to investigate what might seem strange to you because God will show up in the strangest places he will use the strangest people and at times speak the most difficult things to us in order to get our attention and call us out. You got to listen. You got to obey. Moses saw a burning bush and he spoke with God. 
Others in the Bible experienced or encountered God in visible form, not necessarily human form, but in visible form. Abraham saw the smoking oven and burning torch. Jacob wrestled with the man. When Israel was freed from Egypt, God led them by pillars of, 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 of a cloud by day and fire by night. God will come and manifest himself in various ways to speak to you what he would have you do. And when he calls you out, he wants you to know he's the one who is calling. And I believe, man, please hear me, he'll confirm that because we have many voices speaking to us. We have many people speaking to us. You got to wrestle with God for yourself so that you would know what God's speaking to you. But he speaks because he wants to direct your life. He wants to lead you into the next season he's called you to. Wouldn't it be great if you knew in your heart that the next season in your life is exactly the season that God wants you to be in and you're going to experience exactly what God has for you in that season. Wouldn't that be great? Well, you can have that. But you got to build an altar. You got to make God a priority in your life. And you got to listen. You got to obey. So today I want to look at four areas of your life, men. And ladies, I want you to listen very carefully. Because again, your portion is to pray. I want to look at four areas of a man's life that will be impacted. Not can be, but will be impacted when he responds to God's calling. I believe God would do four things when you respond to God's calling. I'm going to look at your home life, your community, the church, and your place of employment. Look at how God wants to impact those areas through you. Let's start with the home. As a man, you've been set in your home by God as the patriarch of your home. You are the patriarch of your home. A patriarch is the male head of a family or a tribe. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are known as the patriarchs of, of the Jews. But it's important that we understand what is expected of a patriarch. What does God expect you or how does God expect you to be in your family as one who's been set there as the patriarch or the male head of your family? First of all, he expects you to lead and guide your family in a godly way. That's what patriarchs do. God expects you to love your wife as Christ loved the church. For men, please hear me. We have the greater portion of ensuring the success of our marriage. As Jesus loved the church, 
we are told to love our wives. And they're told to obey us. Compare, when I compare Jesus and the church, we have a, listen, we're to be as Jesus to our wives as he is to the church. I'm sorry, brother. That's what Paul said. I'm sorry. We ha- it's important that you understand you have the greater portion of insurance in, of ensuring the success of your marriage. That does not mean your wife doesn't have a role to play because she does. But you're the one who's compared to Jesus in the marriage. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, you, you want to see why sometimes your prayers are not being answered? Why your prayers are hidden a steel ceiling? How are you dwelling with your wife how are you understanding your wife how do you live with your wife with understanding understanding speaks of being sensitive to your wife's deepest physical and emotional needs now I know we men get kind of nervous when we talk about that kind of stuff but it's okay because God's with you and he's going to help you Okay? <laughs> He's with you. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> God's with you, James. <laughs> Listen, understanding means to be thoughtful and respectful of your wife. Understanding means to nourish and cherish your wife, as Paul instructs in Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. Many women have said, my husband doesn't understand me. We don't communicate. He doesn't know how I feel of what I'm thinking. Say, how you know that, Pastor? I know it because I've I've heard it. My marriage is not perfect, and I'm not a perfect man, and I'm not a perfect husband. And sometimes my wife has to remind me of what she needs in her life. We have to understand if we do not dwell with them with understanding, then we're dwelling in an insensitive way. And that kind of insensitivity builds walls in marriages. So Peter said, live with your wife with understanding. Another way to say this is be considerate of your wife. 
Be considerate of her wants. Be considerate of her desires. Be, dis- be considerate of her feelings. This is how we live in our family as patriarchs. Listen, it isn't what you get out of marriage that brings glory to God. It's what you put in marriage that brings glory to God. It isn't what you get out of marriage that brings glory to God. It's what you put into your marriage that brings glory to God. Do you know what your wife needs? Have you asked her what it is that satisfies her or what it is that fills her emotional tank? Now, I know we're kind of nervous to ask those questions. I'm kind of nervous. Listen, I'm in, I'm in the same boat because we feel like they're going to say something that we cannot do. We have to trust God that he will be able to, to give us not only a proper response, but also a proper ability to give our wives what they need. We're to be the patriarchs in our home. One thing that your wife needs to know is this. And your children, but we're talking, right now we're talking about wives, but you, your children need to know this as well. Am I a priority in your life? Several months ago, my wife started to ask me this question. She would ask me, do you see me? You women understand that. The men will catch up in a minute. (laughs) Do you see me? Now, men, look at me. Look at me. I don't want no cheating. No cheating. Okay, look at me. Answer in your mind this, not and wives, you don't don't bother your man about this, okay? I want I want the man to answer this in his mind. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And answer in your mind this question. What is, what do your wife have on today? What is your wife wearing? Just answer it in your head. Without looking, without cheating. <laughs> Some of you men, you're trying to make brownie points. You're whispering on your breath to your wife what she's got on, so you, so so she'll know that you you notice her, right? <laughs> Good move, Jamal. <laughs> when my wife first asked me that question, it caught me off guard. Do you see me? And probably once a week. She'll ask me, do you see me? Do you see me? Why? She wants to know that she is a priority to me. And that while I'm so busy doing everything else, trying to save the world for Jesus, she want to know if she has a place in my world of salvation. So ladies, you can thank her for that. I do see you. 
But think about that. What that says, men, is sometimes our wives feel invisible around us. It is important as a patriot of your home that your family know that they are a priority to you. Also as a patriot, you're to take care of your children as children of the Lord. God has given us the amazing task of raising his prized possession. A patriot directs his children's future towards God so that one day they will grow up and serve God themselves. God said to Abram, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I don't know about you, but if God wants to bless families through me, I want those blessings to start with my family. I want my wife to be blessed. I want my children to be blessed. I want my grandchildren to be the blessed of the Lord. I want them to love God and love people. I want them to be faithful, committed members of the church and productive members of the community. I want God to bless my family through me. As a patriarch, please hear me, men. As a patriarch set in the home by God, who you are at home is much more important to your family than who you are in the church or who you are on your job or who you are in the community. The people that you live with are more affected by you, good or bad. More so than anyone else. What kind of impact are you having as a patriarch of your family? I'm convinced that many children who grew up in the homes of pastors, preachers, and Christians have difficulty in their own faith walk because they see their parent behaving one way in the church or out in public and another way at home. Don't confuse your children by living a double life. You're the patriarch of your family. You're the one set in your family by God to be a blessing to them. So let your family hear you praying in your home. Let them see that altar. Let them hear you and see you reading your Bible at home. Let them see you on that altar. But more than that, men, love your family as God will have you love them. You may not have a lot of money. You may not drive an expensive car. You may not be the best dressed man that they know, but I don't believe your family cares about any of those things. They just want to know that you love them and you approve of them for who they are. 
They want you to be their hero. Do you hear me? They want you to be their hero. They want to admire you. They want to look up to you more than anyone else. They want to feel safe with you. I know I'm taking a little long, but, but, but I, I got to tell a little story. It's not the best of stories, but it's real. So y'all please bear with me. I think Ashley was 18 years old, 19 years old. And she started smelling herself. You know what I mean by that? She started smelling herself. <laughs> so we'd given her mother had given her a task to do. And we left home and came back and the task wasn't done. So when she was confronted about it, she began to mouth off about why she didn't have to do it. And she ran upstairs and she locked the door. In my house. <laughs> Gary, in my house that I was paying for. Now, y'all, listen, y'all got to still love your pastor after I tell you the story, okay? So you know what I did? I kicked the door in. But let me tell you, let me tell you, please hear me. Let me tell you something. When I got in that room, I saw a look of fear on her face that she should never feel from her daddy. Because in that moment, she didn't feel safe with me. And as the patriarch, the man of God said in the home, my children need to feel safe with me. And your children need to feel safe with you. Sometimes we react in a way God would not have us react. But I can tell you this. After that incident, and Ashley and I worked through what had happened? Our relationship went to a whole nother level. It's never been the same since. But do you get what I'm saying, man? 
We're to discipline our kids. We're to, to, to correct our kids. But in the midst of that, somehow our kids must also know that they're safe with us. You're the patriarch. Your family needs to feel safe with you. So give to them more than you take from them. Be quick to forgive them instead of blaming them. Do not provoke them or or anger them without reason or cause. You're the patriarch. The next area of your life that you're to impact is the community that you live in. You're to be a pillar of your community. What do I mean by a pillar? Someone who is, someone is called a pillar in the community because they've earned respect for being a person of goodwill. A person who is described as a pillar is someone who is known to be reliable and supportive of community efforts. A pillar in the community provides strength or stability to their community, much like a pillar or a column of a building helps to hold that structure up. Abram impacted the community that he went into by building altars to the Lord. He invited God's presence into those communities. He established the right for God to be there. Do your activities invite God's presence and God's ways into your community? Do they establish the right for God to be there? As a pillar, you're to be a source of strength and blessings for your, for your community. If you, if you were taken out of your community, would you be missed? That's how you can, you can, you can tell if you are a pillar. If you were taken out of your community, would you be missed? The next area of impact you're to have as a called out one of God is in the church. And the word I believe the Lord gave me to describe how you have been set in the church is the word promoter. Promoter. You're to be a promoter in the church. A promoter is defined as a person who promotes, furthers, or encourages in the medical profession, a promoter is a substance that in very small amounts is able to increase the activity of a catalyst of that which causes something to change. You're to be a promoter of the kingdom of God. You're to be a promoter of the holiness and righteousness of God. You're to be a promoter of unity, a promoter of learning, a promoter of serving by being a servant. You're to be a promoter of other people's success in the church. Do you hear me? You're to be a promoter of other people's success in the church. You've been set in the church to impact others 
in a way that they too will discover what God has called them to do. So be a catalyst that promotes change and growth in the church. You are a promoter in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, you're to be a prized possession on your job. Now, don't, 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 get, don't get upset. By prized possession, I'm not saying that your employer owns you. But I am saying this. You're to be of such value to them that they would do whatever it takes to keep you. Whatever it takes to keep you. Value your job and do everything within your power to make your employer or even that supervisor that you don't care for so much. I know what it's like. I've worked in the secular world before. Value your job and do everything within your power to make your employer and or your supervisor successful. Own your job. Please hear me, man. Own your job. You're to work for the success of those who employ you, not for your own. Own your job. You're to work for the success of those who employ you, not for your own success. And if you have this kind of attitude, guess what? You don't have to worry about man promoting you because God's going to promote you. God's going to promote you. You will find success on your job when you make others successful. I served for 16 years as an associate pastor of two different men. And my desire was to see those pastors that I worked for successful. My desire was to see the church that they pastored grow. It was not for me. Please hear me. If you, if you sit in a second or a third chair in the church, you've got to understand when your desire is to make someone else successful, God promotes you. Own your job. If your desire is to make someone else successful, God will promote you. Do not seek self-promotion, but seek to make them successful. And God will take care of you. There were times I had to fight through selfish desires, serving as, as, as someone else's associate. There was times I had to fight through the temptation that was offered by other people to stay where God had placed me. And the only way I was able to do that was to focus on making them successful, making their success a priority instead of my own success. So I've given you what I call the five P's 
of being called out by God. A patriot in your family, a pillar in your community, a promoter in your church, and a prized possession on your job. Now, there are four things listed, and I believe the Lord gave each one of them to me. I also believe he wanted me to stress using these five Ps. So why use five Ps to address these four areas of your life? I believe it is because five, please hear me, five is the biblical number for for grace. And if you're going to achieve success in your life, if you're going to be a patriot in your family, you must rely on the grace of God. If you're going to be a pillar in your community, you must rely on the grace of God. If you're going to be a promoter in the church, you must rely on the grace of God. And if you're going to be a prized possession on your job where you put someone else's success above your own, you must rely on the grace of God. And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for joining us for our Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope again that this message encouraged and empowered you in your following of Jesus. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week. God bless.